You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. Bi-week blues as the Raiders head into their bye week and uh, what are we supposed to do? It's time for some guys to heal, some guys to get, get caught up to speed for the game coming up, and for everyone to stay focused, stay safe. This is New Era Nation, a podcast for Raider Nation and any other football fans that want to listen. Everyone is welcome. This is episode 12, week 6 in the NFL. It is the Raiders bye week. Eh, so-so. Not good, not bad, Sheriff. No game coming up, but I'd like to discuss the expectations so far, the expectations going forward, and um, some other details about the team. So, let's get started. The Oakland Raiders, after five games heading into their bye week, sit at 3-2, and two, a winning record after five games. What we've experienced during that time, right now, the Raiders are in the middle of a five-game road trip, just past the halfway point, three games on the road trip, which they're two and one on the road trip, very good so far. Like I said, two games left on the road trip, but so far, the Raiders sitting at three and two. That has to exceed expectations so far in the season. After five games, a lot of predicted, plenty of predicted one and four, uh, a little bit more of two and three. You know, two and three at best. No one. Should have expected three and two realistically. It's an overachievement, and it's a great job by the staff and the team. The buy in some ways comes at a great time. Uh, plenty of guys injured, plenty of key guys that we need to get some rest, need to get healed back up. We're not even at the halfway point yet, so it comes at a good time for that situation. And I'm just hoping that you know it won't halt any momentum that we've gained so far. But I don't think so. This would be a chance for the guys to regroup with confidence and keep the game plan going. So as far as momentum, yeah, tiny bit of issues. I mean, right now you're trying to think of everything that could possibly go wrong. And the team is starting to play well. And expectations going forward, I hope this team doesn't treat that Bear game like it's their Super Bowl. It's not a time to take a deep breath. The Raiders haven't gotten started yet. It's just a nice five-game start, you know? Know what I'm saying? They need to continue building and developing. Uh, realistic goals in the trip at one and you know the remaining two games get a, at least a split at one and one. That's a realistic goal. That'll put the Raiders at three and two on the road trip and four and three overall. That's a shot at at least 500 and a winning record. You know at the halfway point. 
which is more than anyone expected from this team. And some of the issues I possibly see coming up are going to be with the the youth on the roster, the rookies. We got six players, rookies contributing. And the odds are there will be setbacks for those guys as they grow. Now, rebounding from those setbacks will be key. I need to see how they respond if this situation does, you know, does happen. And the Raiders ain't going to sneak up on anybody anymore. After those two victories, teams are going to take notice. And they're going to be prepared to play. Question is, how are we going to perform at that next stage? Okay, and on to some roster moves. The Zay Jones trade. Let's see how he does under Gruden. I know he hasn't done much under Sean McDonough, defensive guy. And he's had some quarterbacks in and out of his, his life and his career. Let's see if he's able to do something under Gruden. See if he's able to develop. Trading Zay Jones for a fifth round pick two drafts from now, I don't think is a huge cost. And if he develops, it's going to be a huge win for the Raiders. And at the time, that trade did seem hasty. But now with J.J. Nelson's release, it all makes sense. And it's not really hard to find out why J.J. Nelson was released. He wasn't available. That's the main thing we've seen with Gruden throughout his time here. You've got to be available to play. Especially if the coaches believe you can play and you're not out there doing it. Just this season alone, plenty of people have been axed for not participating. So J.J. Nelson knows, knows what was going to happen. And that's really a shame. It would have been nice to see J.J. Nelson speeding down, speeding down the field. And we really could have used his help. The Raiders really could have used his help. So it's a shame that he didn't make it. And also getting signed after just getting waived. Uh, Marcel Aitman, big wide receiver. And Lester Cotton, backup guard. We did some good things last week. But hopefully this week we won't need them. And the bye week's going to help tremendously with our injured guys. And I'm fully expecting Gabe Jackson back at practice at least back to practice on Monday. And also expect him to play. Hopefully Tyrell Williams will be healed up and have his explosiveness back. He's been limited but still productive. Clellan Farrell hasn't been productive. But I believe he'll start showing something in the second half of the season. It's been disappointing so far with Clellan Farrell. But he's a hard worker. And I feel like he'll get it together start happening in the second half of the season. And hopefully Dwayne Harris, our super return specialist, extraordinaire, will be back in the lineup next week too. So as far as wide receivers go, there are reinforcements on the way. Not quite what we expected, but they're coming. And also it's another week for guys like Trent Brown to heal up. He's been banged up a little bit. So I want to get to the rookies who are shining so far this year. A lot of rookies in the lineup, and they're starting to show how good of a draft and offseason the Raiders have had. Let's go over the major contributors, the standouts right now. Of course, first-round pick, Josh Jacobs. Fourth-round pick, Max Crosby. Fifth-round pick, Foster Moreau. Fifth-round pick, Hunter Renfro. And a couple undrafted guys. Undrafted fullback stud, Alex Ingold. And the punter, A.J. Cole, who isn't doing a bad job. Hopefully he's going to get better. And add to that some second-year guys who are also taking a leap. P.J. Hall, Maurice Hurst, and Colton Miller. The young talent showing something. Some nice promise and potential. 
when these guys are helping the offense and the defense perform better at a high level. Looking at the offensive side right now, the O-line is a monster. They got to sustain it and keep hunting, not being hunted. The O-line is huge, strong, and are gobbling up defenses left and right. And the Raiders are going to need that to continue. And I have all the confidence in the world that it will. I don't think John Gruden's going to let this team slip back and take a break. This guy's too intense. He's not letting anyone take a break right now. Not when we're on the, the cusp of turning it around fully. So don't get fat and happy. Get fat and hungry. Offensively, the Raiders are at number 20th overall. It's a slow grind. But the rushing offense broke through the top 10. They're now at number 9. This is where the Raiders are going to make their money. Here in the rushing department. Let's not also forget, the Raiders have faced the number 4, 5, and 7 defenses so far this year. That's three top 7 defenses in 5 games. And the Colts sitting at number 15 is not bad either. So that's four top 15 defenses in 5 games, three top 7s in 5 games. Add me up. It's a great performance by the offense and Derek Carr. So those of you complaining about 5-yard passes... Um, go watch a sport you might know something about. Maybe transgender weightlifting. I'm just playing, but I just want to put it in perspective that Derek Carr is not bad just because some mainstream idiots get on there and post numbers about he didn't throw a pass over 5 yards or 10 yards. 3-2. and two. That's what matters. That's what matters. What other quarterback has gone against three top seven defenses? No one. So I just want people to keep it in perspective. You know, we've beaten some good teams. We're sitting at 3-2 and two after these first five games. And no, it's not Patrick Mahomes, whatever, air raid offense or whatever. But appreciate this offense. Appreciate what it is. This is smash mouth physical football. If the Raiders keep this up, they're going to be physically unstoppable. They're going to be taking manhoods from every team they face on TV for the world to see. It's going to be beautiful, and I can't wait. And on the defensive side, I'm really excited about the defensive side. Raiders right now check in at number 16 in the league. Not bad. An average Raiders defense at number 16 is the best that the Raiders have had in a long, long, long time. Now, this is progress defensively, getting down to 16 right now. And the part I'm most excited for, the run defense, is right now just outside the top 10 at number 11. The yards per carry average, though, is at 3.7. That's good for 6th in the league. Now, yard per carry average, that's a true barometer of how good you do, how good or bad you are against a team's run offense. And right now, it's showing the Raiders pretty damn good, one of the top run defense teams in the league. You got the yard per carry average. And the overall, holding teams under 100 yards rushing per game. It hasn't happened in a long time, and it's something I've wanted for a very long time. And as far as big plays goes, this right here is a number that shocked me. After five games, the Raiders' defense um, plays of 20 yards or more. The Raiders have only given up four plays of 20 yards or more. And a plays of 40 yards or more, zero. Night and day difference from recent history. Night and day difference from last year alone. 
and the way the O-line is performing right now, it's just going to make the D-line better. They're going to get better and better and better. Iron sharpens iron. So overall, there's big improvement on both sides of the ball. There's tremendous evidence supporting that. So there's definite reason to be excited going forward for the season. Things are working. The turnaround is happening. And now I want to kind of move on to Gruden as a head coach. Debunking myths about John Gruden. Myths by mainstream media with no with no research. Blah, blah. You know the story. I'm not talking about local media. Love local media. They have their finger on the pulse of the team. The mainstream, who have no idea what they're talking about, that's who I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? So Gruden, when he was signed, when he became Raiders head coach and signed the 10-year contract in his interview, he played the media saying that he wants to be, take it back to 1998, uh, forget all this GPS stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't need the analytics stuff. Of course, John Gruden is using any kind of technology advancement he can that he believes works. Yes, he is using analytics. Yes, he is using the latest tech and all that stuff. And yes, he's incorporating some newer ways, new ways and new ideas for the team practicing. He's got drones flying around the practice field. He's got replays of practice going on inside the, uh, the cafeteria and weight room. Don't tell me this guy ain't on the cutting edge right now. Like I said, he never left the game to begin with. In shrewd fashion, he found his way to stay connected to the game and peek inside even further and see all new innovative ideas firsthand. John Gruden's offense is cutting edge. Everything from my formation, two tight end sets, to four and five wide, with lots of motion, movement of personnel around to different positions, even RPOs. And now finally, mixing in a good diet of play action. It is a complex offense. Is it complicated? To QB without a high IQ, I can see it could be. But the vision for Gruden is to be versatile. To be able to line up in any formation at any time in any situation that might come up. This might be a blessing in disguise. Forced to go 12 personnel, that's two tight ends. Foster Moreau is really shine. Highlighting his great ability. Which he might not have gotten the chance to show, if not for the current situation. Fifth round pick. Unanimous, the great value the Raiders got in the draft. In nature and life, you know, species are faced with a breakthrough point when faced with deceit or defeat or extinction. You must adapt or die. Gruden and the Raiders faced that point and adapted and are continuing to evolve. The toughness and togetherness, the brotherhood, I thought would develop, is no doubt developing. And Gruden and the rest of the coaches have made a concerted effort to get the most out of this offense, after, especially after Minnesota. And they've succeeded there, coming up with creative ways to move the ball and get big plays out of an undermanned unit. The coaching staff is top shelf, and they're showing that. And they went to 12 personnel like I thought they would. But in order to run that successfully, you need two good tight ends. And two great ones really makes it tough to stop that kind of offense. I knew we had one great tight end in the making in uh, Darren Waller. And I thought we had a, a serviceable number two in Derek Carrier. I did not expect Foster Moreau to go ahead and take the spot, the number two spot from Derek Carrier, and also perform at a pretty high level on top of it. 
So Foster Moreau's emerging as a number two tight end and also is emerging as a good tight end. A uh, great blocker already. He's willing and physical. He's proven a, a clutch pass-catching option. He's shown he can go up, high-point the ball, come down with clutch catches in traffic, contested, grab it, secure it, and that's it. He's flashing ability that only the Raiders knew about. And kudos to the scouting department for finding this guy. And nobody really knew what Foster Moreau was capable of because he played at LSU. And at the time of the draft, uh, when Foster Moreau was drafted, someone on Twitter, I forget who, cleverly posted, um, LSU hasn't properly utilized a tight end in decades. So we don't know what we got in Foster Moreau beyond blocking. And it's a great observation. It turns out Foster Moreau is looking really good beyond just blocking. And we didn't see that at LSU because he didn't get many chances to show it. LSU is just now running a modern, quick-paced passing offense. Before that, it was, you know, run-focused, unimaginative, hey, Let's use all this football talent we recruited because it's easy to get in our schools because of our low standards uh, to run them straight into the line because we have no imagination or creativity. Classic SEC offense. They just broke out of the option not too long ago. Okay, sorry, Nation. I broke off into a tangent there, but the point is Moreau's good. And the game against the Bears, he had the highest grade on offense. And Derek Carrier is still in the mix, too. So they're utilizing all three tight ends. And if Moreau can continue this great play and the Raiders end up with two great tight ends, forget about it. It's going to take them to a whole new level. In the past pod, I referenced the Patriots running a two tight end offense uh, in today's modern game. So it shows, yes, it can still be very effective. The other really nice surprise is at the fullback position, Alex Ingold. Now, not many teams carry a fullback anymore, so it's a rare position. But if used correctly, it can be a great asset to the offense, adding more versatility. And we've seen the damage that Alex Ingold can do. And he's like a Rottweiler out there. There's one play versus Akeem Hicks uh, where he just pushes him back. Now, on the play, you can see him pushing Keem Hicks back like 15 yards. Just shoving him back. Akeem Hicks can do nothing but backpedal. Keem Hicks is like 6'5", 340 pounds, and incredibly strong. Alex Ingold isn't small. He's 6'1", 240. But compared to that, and he's also a rookie, he's driving this man back 15 yards who outweighs him by 100 pounds. Akeem Hicks. Driving him back like a forklift picks up a big crate and moves it out of the way. Ingold's absolutely vicious and looking to find a defender and physically crush him and overpower him. Rookie, no wonder Keith Smith lost his job. When you have a player like Ingold, you find a spot for him on your football team. I've heard him compared to John Ritchie. Yeah, he's just like John Ritchie except he's better, stronger, faster, and more athletic. And he's shown pass catching ability. The rest of the NFL don't know what it's missing, but it will soon enough. And I'm telling you, this is the first time I have watched the Chicago Bears on film 
get thunder punched in the throat. I mean, the, the Raiders, this is a strength-on-strength strength matchup, and the Raiders are playing bully so far in this game. We saw the block on Khalil Mack on that Jacobs touchdown run. Nice little touch there by Gruden. Speaking of, let's run Josh Jacobs right at Khalil Mack for the first touchdown of the game. Josh Jacobs, who we drafted with the pick we got in the Khalil Mack trade. Nice little touch there by John Gruden. And Alex Ingold was the guy, the rookie, who took Khalil Mack completely out of the play. Get thunder punched in the throat. And you know he must be a good fullback. I'm sitting here getting excited just talking about him. Every time I see his highlights, it gets super hyped up. I mean, he's sitting there. He hits the hole. He's like the Terminator. Whoever he's blocking, he finds him, locks on, clamps on, drives him right out of the play, keeps driving him. He might as well drive him all the way off the field, down the ramp, and in the first cab, and go straight to the airport. Because a guy, if, if Alex Ingold is blocking you, you're not going to be having any effect on the game anyway. Get thunder punched in the throat. Another guy bringing a lot of energy to that run blocking and offensive line. He's not a rookie, but he's a great signing so far. Richie Incognito. And so far, I appreciate his effort. Um, Richie Incognito has been a good citizen so far, and his addition's crucial. Richie Incognito brings a nastiness to a team, to a line. And it's just what we've been missing. He, a lot of teams, a lot of defenses have come in and try to intimidate this Raiders offense. And Richie Incognito reverses all that. And turns the intimidation on him, on them. No one wants to really mess with Richie Incognito. Getting in line with the right nasty attitude helps him take on any defense. They now look to suck the will out of the best they're going against. Looking forward to facing them. Osamelli used to try, used to instill this at that attitude. Last year, not so much. And it turns out. Incognito is a perfect guard. We needed to replace Osamelli. As long as he takes his pills. And now another nasty badass guard is on his way back. Gabe Jackson. Now Gabe Jackson, he likes to go to the bathroom in uniform. Right there on the field. Or the sideline. I guess it doesn't matter. And then he goes and wrestles around with defensive players. And falls on them in his soiled pants. Once he arrives, the final piece will be added, and the line will be complete. complete. So, all in all, these are reasons to rejoice, Raider Nation. You should be rejoicing. I am rejoicing. These reasons, this proof here, and that the Raiders will be able to maintain this, and will be able to continue to run on any team in the NFL. Now, I use the Patriots a lot as a organization at a top flight level I hate it but it's the truth Mayock and Gruden do the same you have to take what you can from your enemies take what works well and use it what would benefit you if you're fighting with rocks and your enemy invents a gun are you going to stick with your rocks because your hated enemy invented a revolutionary weapon and you hate them so much you will not use anything they use and balk at their inferior ideas. Let me think. No, that's just stupid. Now, a lot of people have done that, and those people are now extinct. You gotta adapt and evolve.
and it's been a long time coming. It's about time the Raiders start evolving. It's a new era, whether you like it or not. Rolling with Gruden, and that's the way it's going to be. But fear not. We can trust in Gruden. He's going to get this thing right. So yes, it would be foolish to not take what you can from your enemy that can help you out. And make no mistake, the enemy of everybody's the New England Patriots. Now, what are the Patriots? The New England Patriots are emotionless cyborgs that think with a hive mentality from their overlord, Bill Belichick, and that have run the NFL for almost 20 years. Now, the cyborg tendrils extend everywhere from Roger Goodell's commissioner's office all the way on onto the field as they are directly controlling the brains of the referees via wireless remote Bluetooth. These have been dark times for all of America, but this could have all been prevented. What am I talking about? Yeah, that's right. The crime of the century. Oh, they would like everyone to forget a lifetime of criminal cheating activity, but let's go back to where it all started. January 19th, 2002. The day the dark seeds of destruction were planted. And we witnessed the alien, slime-covered, disgusting birth of the Patriots' dynasty. I'm talking about the tuck rule game, of course. Some will say, dude, get over it. And I will say, eat a dick, you f***ing little f***. Scene, New England snow. A young QB, Tom Brady, with his coach, Bill Belichick, who's earning his first playoff with the Patriots, with a 16-16 and record. That's right, old 500 Bill. And on that snowy field, the Raiders physically dominated the Patriots. They were out-coached, out-played, and a miracle field goal after, after the fact that the Patriots got the ball back. Adam Vinatieri kicking in the snow to tie it. Then Adam Vinatieri again, kicking in the snow, almost a 50-yarder, to win it. Then going on to the Super Bowl and hitting a 50-yarder as time expires to win the Patriots' first Super Bowl. So if we're looking at this honestly, Patriots and Patriot fans need to thank Adam Vinatieri and the referees for their dynasty. Not Belichick, not Brady. It's true. The evidence is there. But all I'm saying is, as a coaching, as a coach, Belichick met his match that day. And since Belichick's taken over the NFL, Gruden has receded into exile to perfect his craft. And I'm sure Gruden didn't come back till he felt he was 100% ready to be the best coach in the NFL. He's been on sabbatical, not a break. Now he's back, trying to build the Raiders back to what he had it. And I believe he will. Mostly, these guys are kept from the same cloth. They believe in the same philosophies as build, you know, as far as building a team goes. Running the ball is important. Run a tight ship. Team above all. Sacrifice for team or be sacrificed to free agent hell. And be available. J.J. Nelson. Um, Martavis Bryant. A bunch of guys in the past that weren't available are no longer on the team. Eddie Vander does. Eddie Vander doesn't. Have a, yeah, well, you know the joke. So they both believe in building a team the same way. Um, as far as personalities go and as coaches themselves, they are mirror opposites. 
Bill Belichick is a robot and had his heart and other parts replaced by machinery years ago. He's more machine now than man. He can just set his internal program to a motionless stone face and walk around like that all game long. And looking at him on the other side of that mirror is John Gruden. All emotion. The complete opposite. All emotion. Wears emotion on his face every second of his life. Hitting all emotions on the wheel during games. Getting excited, getting angry, happy, whatever. Both can get a team in Super Bowl shape. And both can scheme around everyone else. So I want the Patriots to keep going. Brady keep playing. Belichick keep coaching. So Brady, do whatever it is that you do to stay young. You know, uh, eat children's souls or whatever it is you do. I'm kidding. Of course, Tom Brady doesn't eat children. Belichick does. The Raiders will be ready in the next two years for revenge. To set the universe back in balance and right an injustice, which was the foundation for a corrupt dynasty. Or something like that. So that's just a little something to marinate on during break time. And of course, later on in the week we'll have a pod previewing the Packers game. I can't wait to see them on Monday night, see how they look. And then I'll have a preview for it. But now let's move on to a little update on Vontae's perfect. Derek Brooks, John Runyon handed down the punishment, the missile, and Derek Brooks will be overseeing the appeal. Please tell me this is some kind of sick, tasteless joke. Derek Brooks, for those of you who don't know, which none of you know, because apparently you think Vontae's perfect is the source of all football violence, and there was none before him or after him. You guys are just stupid. I'm talking about these mainstream media guys who don't know shit about what they're talking about. Are you kidding me? Derek Brooks? You must be joking. So let's look into what Derek Brooks is all about. And I'm not talking about the guys that are listening. Just let me get that clear. It's those idiots out there, you know? Those people that just say dumb shit and make no sense. None of you guys listen. You guys are excellent. Uh, And ladies as well. When I say guys, I mean everyone. Okay, so Derek Brooks is overseeing the appeal. Who is Derek Brooks? Oh, Derek Brooks, who ended Rich Gannon's career with a devastating hit to the head. A helmet-to-helmet hit while he was running, and Derek Brooks hit him so hard, it ended his career. So where are all the people who are up in arms, who can't stand for it? What do you have to say about that? Your stance means nothing. That You are hollow, you're sheep looking for acceptance, If you idiots out there can't see the irony of Derek Brooks who ended Rich Gannett's football career, a Raiders all-time great Hall of Fame quarterback with a vicious helmet-to-helmet hit, is a guy overseeing a suspension appeal and making final judgment of a Raiders player for a helmet-to-helmet hit. I jumped back and said, can you believe this motherfucking shit? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I... I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway. The, the hypocrisy, the idiocy, I can be more disgusted to be honest with you. Don't talk to me about his history. What makes Brooks qualified to answer? What makes Brooks qualified to judge his appeal? Let's look at his history. Gannon scrambling to the five. Oh, man. He may have the first down. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I beg your pardon. He's got a headache. He wanted to see a head-to-head hit. Here comes Derrick Brooks, 55. Watch this. Bam! 
And that Cannon has got a headache because he went, look at this. And you are? Ah, Believe me, he I knows am. who he is. <laughs> you are and I am. Well, we have Derek Brooks, by the way, wired. Let's see that last hit on Cannon. Ha 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 ha. Ho 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 ho. It's so funny. <laughs> See McGuire and those other idiots on there? You know, Pat Summerall. Pat Summerall's cool. But those, that fool. Oh, he's got a headache now. It's so funny. <laughs> this is what it used to be like. Another example of that. People laughing off vicious helmet to helmet hits. And I got you idiots these days. Oh my god, we can't stand for this. There's no place in the game for this. And then Derek Brooke over there after he delivered the hit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You guys are a fucking joke. Fuck all you idiots. And fuck Derek Brooks too. Can you imagine Derek Brooks, you know, overseeing the appeal, talking to Burfick? Yeah, there's no place in the game for this. Uh, you can't hit people like that. Uh, I've never hit anybody like that. Did you get the job based on how many careers you ended with said helmet-to-helmet hits? With that logic, it would mean that Hey, Derek, you know about CTE since you've given it to so many damn players. It, it makes no sense. I was thinking maybe Burfecht has a future in the NFL player safety office with Runyon and Brooks. But then again, I don't think he has enough career enders, quote-unquote, on his resume like Brooks. This is the last I'll vent about the absolute truth about this farce of a system. I guess it's just like real law. If they want you punished, you will be punished. So again... To NFL offices, to Roger Goodell, to all the NFL referees, to Gene Steratore, to Dean Blandino, to Terry McCauley. Oh, and go ahead and add that scumbag, Cleet Blakeman, to the list. It's for all of you. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him all! And with that, this episode comes to an end. Be proud, Raider Nation. But let's keep it steady. No getting too high like we're going to the Super Bowl. No getting too low like it means nothing. We're right there in the middle. We're still building. A little more evidence would be nice before I get my hopes up. Too much. But as always, keep it silver and black, baby. And there's only one nation. I'll see you next time.